We've got to make this entertaining. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> okay, well, we'll save it for next week. Um, okay. I was just going to give you a little flag. <laughs> what, just now? You go, yeah. No, I'm not doing that. <laughs> like a tiny flag. <laughs> Coming up, advertisers direct deals with media vendors. We're going to review an article published by Nick Manning. And Group M acquire an independent programmatic specialist. Welcome to IDCOM's Media Snack, episode seven. Uh, this week we are covering uh, advertisers direct deals with media vendors. We're going to review an article that was published by Nick Manning from Ubiquity. And also, we're just going to cover Group M's purchase of an independent trading desk uh, and programmatic specialist, uh, all in this week's Media Snack, in just the time it takes to eat a sandwich. So first up this week, uh, following on from the conversation that we were having last week about Daily Mail ring-fencing some of their ad revenue to pay as rebates. It yeah. just got us thinking a bit more about the increase of advertisers wanting to build direct deals and direct relationships with media vendors. Um, it's something that we've seen a big increase and it's something that we advise. I mean, yeah. what, what do we kind of know about that? Well, I mean, uh, this is a trend that has is, that is gained in acceleration over the last couple of years. Yeah. When I was a client, uh, I would be involved in some of the, the larger negotiations, but simply being the guardian of the brand, mm. I would allow my agency to uh, conduct all of the commercial discussions with yeah. the big media owners. Uh, now, it would be uh, unusual for a big digital spender not to have a direct relationship with uh, Google or Facebook, for yeah. example, simply because, uh, you know, the deeper the relationship, the more added value that they get. Uh, why use an agency intermediary uh, to perhaps buffer some of the value that you can be getting back when you can drive that relationship directly? Yeah. And, it, and in some instances that, that makes sense. In some instances with brands, between brands and publishers, they have far deeper relationships really that, than even yeah. a media agency could uh, have the scope to manage. And you know, the classic example we always talk about is you know, a brand like L'Oreal yeah. and their relationship with someone like Condé Nast, a publisher of that's Vogue right. and others, other things. You know, that's a, that's a, a long-standing, very ingrained you know, symbiotic relationship mm. between these two companies that goes way beyond the purchase of media and the yeah. buying of pa ad pages and things like that. That's right. Yeah. And, we saw, and we saw in the trade press uh, this week about uh, Pepsi having established direct relationship with Fox yeah. and being, uh, you know, massively influential in the design of programming. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, bypassing completely the creative and the media agencies and having that uh, relationship, that dialogue with, with uh, uh, media agencies. Yeah. And, and and with the client. Yeah. And and that's something that we're actively kind of lobby our clients to think about is to have uh, to know who your top five or seven media vendors are, that's media right. or tech vendors are. That's right. Uh, have direct relationships with them. You may not necessarily need to have direct terms with them, but at least know them and get mm -hmm. them to understand your business. Um, and perhaps, you know, we've heard clients reference, you know, breaking the tyranny of that agency relationship where they, the agency believes that they own the client. Yeah. Um, and publishers do want to learn more and work much closer with, with the brands that they, that, yeah. they, uh, that they partner with. So 
Um, it's a trend. It's, we think it's going to continue. Absolutely. Um, and really, it just comes back again to our, you know, our word of the year uh, of control, which is just another example, perhaps, of marketers wanting to take a bit more control about where their money, their media money is being spent. Absolutely. Okay, next up. Uh, so you've read something interesting yes, this I week did. that we've been talking about. So Nick Manning, uh, Chief Strategy Officer at Ubiquity, published an opinion piece that reflected on what he considered to be a massive uh, missed opportunity mm. of uh, Media Palooza in 2015. So, Which we said we weren't going to talk about No, anymore, I know, but, but it we're, was... We're going to reference it. It is, because it's an interesting perspective, one that I actually agree with. Yeah. Uh, Nick's point is that uh, in such a, a significant year of media pitches, where all the big clients and all the big advertisers mm. went to review... Um, why did nothing change? Why was that not a catalyst for a sea change in in the industry, mm. given all of the issues that we know are rampant within uh, the media industry? Yeah. So, uh, you know, online concerns with viewability, ad fraud, uh, ad blocking, uh, you know, transparency is a massive concern. Yeah. Why did uh, last year's media review tsunami not act as a catalyst for change, mm. in your opinion? Well, I mean, I just, I just I don't agree that there was zero change, because I think that there was, I think there's some change. Because I think all, all the big advertisers that went to review last year are aware of all of those issues. Mm. Okay? So the majority of them were category leaders. They really represent the scale, and that's what we've all been talking about, the scale of these reviews. Yeah. Um, and they're category leaders. The agency landscape is built to their specification. So changing from one agency to another, they're moving to an agency that can meet their demands because their demands are at scale. So what they want from a media agency generally is scale and yeah. leverage and then the capabilities in some of those areas that you talked about. But also, I mean, there was a brilliant quote that we've referenced before when Mark Pritchard following the P&G move in the US, which was one of the biggest pitches of the year, said, you know, I didn't have to talk about transparency because I trust my agencies. Well, that's fine if you're P&G. If you've got, you know, four or five billion dollars on the table, um, you know, you're going to get the transparency that you require without having to demand it too hard. And you've probably got the resources internally to be able to to chase those things up. Um, So I'm not sure it was a missed opportunity. I think all of the brands will have secured better terms and better talent than they had, I think the implication, and I think the change that Nick is talking about, which is the parallel, you know, people saying the media agency model has to change, and then why didn't $30 billion worth of review make that change? Because I think that $30 billion of review were the category leaders, and they're quite happy, frankly, with the way that the agency landscape is set up. Um, I think now in 2016, we've predicted that we'll see other brands in those categories, the second, third, fourth, fifth, brands perhaps review to improve their terms. And do you think that they will <coughs> grasp the opportunity perhaps you of, think so because of addressing some of these fundamental issues that we have within the industry? Yeah, I think so because the, you know, they are challengers by definition, they're challengers. They are going to want to innovate um, and from the, ch- the more challenger brands that we speak to are, they're the ones that are really pushing their agencies to come up with something new, a new model, thinking of their agencies in different ways, knocking down the silos between different agency disciplines, you know, creating new blueprints for the way that they want to work with agencies. Um, and that is, 
where the change I think is going to happen that, that Nick's referring to. So I think we'll see it. I think it will happen slowly, but I think this is the year where the, the scope of a media agency can be really stretched. Well, I like your optimism. Let's, uh, let's wait and see. Good. Okay. And finally today, uh, news that broke uh, at the back end of last year mm -hmm. about uh, Group M continuing quite an aggressive uh, digital acquisition. Um, mm. And uh, they've acquired um, Exchange Lab. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Exchange Lab was one of the world's, uh, among many independent kind of programmatic buying technologies and uh, specialists, um, acquired by Group M, the WPP uh, media investment arm. Um, and it will sit within what they call their Connect Group, which used to be called Interaction, um, which is a, basically a suite of DSP and buying technologies and mm -hmm. various other bits and pieces. Um, so they've made that acquisition. I can understand why the, you know, the Exchange Lab was an independent. Um, and a very good one, a very highly reputable. A highly rated independent. Um, and, you know, in a world which, as we keep saying, is very much dominated by the media agency networks who control 90% of global billings, you know, uh, it's just always good to see good independent businesses coming and being around to challenge the networks, because yeah. that's good for competition, good for clients, good, you know, it's good for innovation. Um, so it's always slightly sad when, you know, these good independents get swallowed up by the Goliaths uh, there. So we were kind of sad to, sad to see that happen. Um, but if I'm a but, client, yeah. uh, one of Group M's clients, and I see, uh, you know, a, a, a brilliant asset being brought back into my uh, portfolio of, of, of assets that I can use. It can only be a good thing, right? I mean, I now have more choices within the Group M Armory mm. to be able to target my consumers better, to be able to optimise my campaigns better, to be able to measure my campaigns more effectively and efficiently. That's mm. a good thing, right? Well, I mean, it gives more choice internally. But I mean, my personal point of view is that, you know, it's the external choice that creates the best competition and innovation, that's the thing. So you can understand why Group M made the purchase, you can understand very much why Exchange Lab decided this was a good time for them to actually sell out mm. uh, and perhaps make some money, so good for them. Um, but it does re it reduces the options and that reduces competition. So you know, we're looking for the next you know, wave of good, great new independence, both in terms of media agencies this year and in terms of technology. Um, and buying technology to keep challenging the networks, yeah. I guess, to be, to be innovative. Okay, that's it for this week. Um, as always, thank you for watching. If you like what you see, give us a thumbs up and do subscribe to the channel to be updated with new content. We have an important announcement because next week we're going to do a media snack special. We're going to do... The Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Uh, from a media perspective, so just looking at what's going up and... Uh, Who's spending the money, yeah. you know, big investments in that area, lovely. Good, so we'll just do an episode dedicated to the Super Bowl. Good. Look forward to that. Uh, that's it for now. Thank you for watching. Have a good weekend.
I'm going to get. Um, you're recording, aren't you? I'm not going to say anything because what, what I say right now will be used against us at the beginning of the movie. Absolutely. Yeah.